You're listening to the Walk the Line Podcast. Real stories of real people. So, Kate, Risa, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. That's good. So, um, so how's things for yourself, Risa? Has it been a, has it been a crazy week for you, or has it been an okay one so far? Well, it's been a it's been a very productive week. Um, I just got back from um, Washington D.C. and having an opportunity to share with uh, a program there called uh, Great Day Washington. Okay. About what's going mm-hmm, about what's going on in our country, and I also have found out that with our research, also in Europe, mental wellness is wellness. an issue. Yes, that's uh, that's that's your main sort of like that's your bag, isn't it? That's your speciality, which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on the show. To be fair, it's one of those sort of like kind of. I would I would say like a touchy subject, but it's one of those subjects that people don't really want to clearly kind of dive into sort of things. So I mean, how you how have you been finding it since you started on your journey about the the kind of the the, the reception you're getting when you talk about sort of like touchy subjects like this? Well, I'll give you an example first of all how I even you know got into a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Um, I come from the world of entertainment, as you you know that. Um, starting a half hour sitcom. Uh, called Me and Mrs. C. Okay. And also a movie, a feature film, which actually you need to pick it up on YouTube. It's called Ely's My Girl. What kind and, of, is that a romantic comedy or is that an H- it, it's a Yes, you could put it like that, but it has some sort of a following, right? But, okay. but, but they have a Simon Sledge character in there who is from, you know, from the, over there in your part of the world. So okay. it's kind of a funny, uh, kind of a funny little movie. But anyway, um, so I did that, and we, my husband and I lived in Hollywood for about 17 years in California. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I have to, oh, I, I got to tell you, too, uh, the movie that you're going to watch when you when you watch it, He's My Girl, it's kind of like a takeoff, like an updated version of Some Like an Art. Remember that? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I get you. Uh-huh. So it's like an updated version of that. But um, what I want to say is, is that we lived in California for 17 years, came back to the East Coast. And we were on a bus, a local bus. Have you come? Have you gone? Can you come over to the U.S. or? I've only been the only place I've been to in the U.S. is Vegas. And okay. I don't remember much of it, to be frank. Honest okay. with you. Okay, well, I'm talking New York East Coast. Okay. Ah. We were on a bus, and we were going from New York to New Jersey, uh, a neighboring state. Right. And the bus driver looked uh, at my husband and I and said, "Do you know more than ten people?" jump off this George Washington Bridge every day. Wow. Ten ten people a day? Every day. Jesus. And we're one of those people where it's like when we hear something, we feel like we got to say something or do something. Yeah. So even though we're in the entertainment world, right? So we have all these movies, Girl Interrupted, Shawshank Redemption, Dead Poets Society, Ordinary People, Fatal Attraction. And we see mental illness. We see suicide. In these movies, but we don't think does this really happen in real life. Yeah. So that was kind of a wake up for my husband and I to start doing some research. Okay. And in our research, we found out, according to the Center for Disease Control, the World Health Organization, and the National Institutes of Health, 
have all labeled suicide as an epidemic and a crisis, a global crisis. Jesus, yeah. It's, it's a, that's, that's pretty scary. It's pretty very scary. scary. It's very scary. And then when we started delving in further, globally, over 750,000 people take their lives every single day. Well, it ends globally. So, you, so in other words, every 11 minutes, a lot of somebody's take their own lives. Yeah. And why? Because we're dealing with depression, dealing with loneliness, right? Dealing with um, isolation, you know, especially during COVID. That was really, Gorgeous. that like took people really to a place, a dark, deep place where they can't come out of. But then we have economic issues, you know, um, hunger issues, you know, and now we also have bullying so you deal with social media, which has created a real problem. So somebody in the UK can be bullying somebody in the United States they've never even met. And vice versa. Ridiculous. You see? So this is what got us really involved, you know, with uh with, with wanting to see what what if we can help eradicate this, help people to find themselves, right? Help people to figure out why they're here. And relationships yeah. are really important. You know, we need to get a, we need to we need to put more compassion into our lives, right? Ask it. Like I'm gonna ask you right now. Are you okay? I know that's it. You have to see. You have to see. You have to ask that, don't you? The old, was it the old school way? Well, not the old school way of doing it. It's the training. You have to ask twice because everyone say everyone automatically goes, "Yeah, I'm fine." But you ask again, they go, uh, "Are you go, ah? I got you. What's up? Tell me. Talk to me." That's right. So I'm asking you, are you okay? I'm all right. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay, but I'll feel a lot better if we can bring those numbers down. Yeah, of course. Everybody has to find their mission, their reason for being here. And I know one of that's one of our big goals is to really and also get into our industry, our entertainment industry, gotcha. our people, in our you know in our world. You know, it, it, it's 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 we're dropping like flies, if I must say. So you've got Robin Williams took his own life, Kate Spade took her own life. You know, we've got musicians who are just taking their own lives because it doesn't matter how much money you have, where you live, who you are, where you come from. Suicide has no favorites. Yeah. It does not discriminate, right? It has gobbled up some of our best and brightest. Nice, isn't it? Has it, has it got, have you noticed that it's getting, I don't know if you've obviously you've seen the figures and all that sort of side of things. Is it getting, are the figures increasing each year, I take it? Um, it's gone up about thirty percent over the last uh, three years. That's a shocking yeah. number, isn't it? Yes. Why do you? Th- I mean, I would imagine after the last three years, as COVID had a massive deal with it. But why? Why do you think it's getting more and more? It's because you don't really hear about this um, sort of like kind of subject, like say, like back in the eighties or back in the seventies. It was there. You, it did happen, unfortunately, but it wasn't a huge sort of talking point. They just went, "Oh, poor him," or "Poor her," and they got on with the day. But now it's really starting to become a little bit more, as you mentioned, it's a pandemic. Why do you think it's now becoming more of a uh, noticed and people are understanding it more? What do you think's happened? Well, well, I'll tell you that um, 20, 25 years ago, suicide's been around forever. Right, Ryan? I mean, it's in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, Judas yeah. killed himself, right? So it's been around bloody, forever. Bloody Judas. Bloody Judas. <laughs> so he killed himself, but... Why we haven't talked about it is because when you talk about your mental frailties, if you talk about the, if you tell someone, I feel depressed, if you tell someone, I'm not feeling good today, 
it's looked upon as being weak mm. or, some, or, or people who feel like they're being judged. And so that's why it's been kept quiet. Yeah. So organizations like ours, Suicide Watch and Wellness Foundation, we want to bring them out of the darkness into the light. Right? Mm. That's, what, that's, our, that's the goal. That's the and goal. that way people won't suffer in silence. So years ago, that's what they were doing. They were suffering in silence, and we have to get rid of the stigma. Right. And the only way to do that is to start talking about it. So I think more and more and more and more that we talk about it. Like, I hope that in 2026, Suicide Watch and Wellness Foundation will be a global name in everybody's home. That yeah. we, we will be making a difference. We have, you know, together we can make a difference. You know what I mean? That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? That's, that's, that'd be, uh, we'll save a lot of lives, let's put it that way. Yes. It would do a lot of good. You know, and it is difficult when it comes to like mental health. You can see, I mean, I've had uh, a couple of uh, mental health like advocates in, uh, on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, one went through a really dark time, and he now helps people similar to yourself. So I think not on the, the grandest scale that you guys are doing or that sort of silly stuff. He does it like more small scale, but he talks about awesome. his he talks about his sort of like uh, struggles. And the one thing that we really kind of picked up on is the difference in um, generations. You know, like, as you mentioned before, back then it did happen. People, mental health was a thing, as as again, you mentioned, as a thing, it has been for years. But right. I think it's the generational difference between each of us. Like, you know, it's like my parents, for instance, they're pushing 60 now. I know I don't look, I am actually 40, I look 25, but we don't need to get into that. You know? But, right. um, well, let me say this. Let me say this. Back in the day, bullying started off as teasing. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And look, your shoes, look at your trousers, those little, yeah, little yeah. small things, uh-huh. rising or that sort of thing, yeah. Yes, exactly. So then teasing turns into pushing and shoving. Pushing and shoving turns into fighting. Yeah. Okay, and then fighting, that's violence, right? And then the person that's the victim, when they try to defend themselves, everyone gets sent to in-school suspension. Everyone gets, you know, punished. And so that really empowers the bully. Yeah. And the victim becomes less and less powerful of their own existence and their own self-esteem. So they begin to lose their self-esteem. You know, social media, you know, doesn't help much because they're being bullied now on social media, like I mentioned earlier. So self-esteem, very important. And when people start losing their self-esteem, they start losing their reason to even live. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just, it, it takes away their identity, doesn't it? It takes away who they are. And that's one of the things I hate in life. I, I despise bullies. I despise them. And um, I've got, and I'm very, I'm very protective of my young daughter. She's eight years old. Oh. And little legend that she is. But I am so protective of her. And I'm just like, uh, like you know, that the, you ever seen Bad Boys 2? You know, when yes. you, the, yes. the, the, the kid rocks up to date his daughter. And I'm like that. I'm like, what the hell are you fucking doing? I'll fuck you up. Right. And that stuff. So, I'm, I'm just like that. And the one of the things that re- really scares me, I know, and this is the one thing that really can, I, can, uh, I wouldn't say concerns me, but it's questioning. When we were growing up, when someone sits there and, as you mentioned before, teasing and all that sort of side of stuff, it's just, and, but that does kind of manifest into something else. It moves on, it snowballs into something yeah. else. But when we were kids, it was probably more of, oh, it's just what kids have to go through. You know, come on, they, yeah. it, just toughen them up a little bit. And I'm just sitting there and, because of all the 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 research that's been done and obviously the things that you've the the, the stats that you've shown and yeah. how you guys are doing things and highlight a lot of things, 
it really kind of scares me that that could actually manifest into something a lot worse throughout oh. the years, if not tackled straight away. And that is going to make me fucking have a heart attack when she goes to school and tell you. Yeah, we have we have six-year-olds, as young as six-year-olds. Jesus, no way. That are taking their own lives, yes. Fuck. And here's the thing. The kids are watching. Remember commercial? I mean, I would call it cartoons, right? Yeah. So you got Bugs Bunny. You know, if Bugs Bunny gets blown up, he just shakes his hand. And he's all put back together, right? Yeah. So you got little kids that are thinking when someone says, oh, this is how you get back at your parents. Just kill yourself. So they take their necktie. They take a belt. They're tied to their bunk bed. But can you imagine when they finally get that choke around their neck, they're thinking, oh, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, and, and what happens is is that there's no one there to save them. So that happens to a lot of the younger ones, like six and eight years old, who don't even understand what death is. Kill, they don't even understand what kill yourself is. But social media shows them and teaches them how to do it. So our organization is coming up with an app that parents are going to love. Because it's oh. going to be a way for them, an app. We're working on an app that kids, are, parents will be able to use that will block all of this negative stuff from their children even being able to get into it. Or for these social media folks being able to, you know, get a hold of our, our kids. So okay. we have to give parents their power back. They're losing their power because they're working two and three jobs. Yeah, they try to put the foot on the table, yeah. And so they can't, so they, you know, so they don't have time. So that phone and that TV and all that stuff is 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 taking over the parental um, roles. Yeah, the parental role. And so what we're talking about, and listen to this, how deep this is. Maybe we're going about it the wrong way. Everyone's talking about prevention, suicide prevention, suicide prevention. But like we mentioned earlier, suicide already happened. It took place in the Bible, so you can't prevent it. It already happened. Prevention is to stop something from ever happening. And so it doesn't exist. Suicide and prevention don't even belong in the same sentence. Right. What we have to do is intervene. Intervention. Stop a recurring act from happening over and over again. So that's what we're doing. I get that. All right. You get get it, right? I get that. Yeah. Because. First time, the first time something happens, you're like, okay, but then it continues to go over and over. And the same thing happens all the time, but it takes a toll. It starts to chips away at you, doesn't it? Exactly. So I'm thinking that maybe our organization, what we're trying to do is kind of get people to reimagine the work that we need to do to really give people some, give them their self-worth again, help them find themselves. But maybe we need to do that by, we have to do that by intervention. Prevention Suicide prevention organizations have been around for years. And I tell people, if Suicide Watch and Wellness had been around since the 1950s or 60s or 70s, and you tell me that suicide's going up 30%, I would be like, oh, we need to have a powwow. All of the board members, let's go. We're doing something wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, so that's why I'm saying maybe the wrong thing is the approach. We can't prevent something from happening that already happened. Get it. That makes sense. Yeah. I do. It does. It does make a lot of sense. It, it's sort of like we've got over here. It's a sort of like kind of mental health sort of training we've got here. I don't know if you've heard of CBT. Uh-huh. And it, it's sort of like different it's questions to kind of change the sort of mindset. It's a way you similar to what you guys are doing, and yeah. uh, it's it's a, a kind of a technique that makes you think differently about it, and how it makes you kind of train your mind a little bit differently, and how you obviously see things and react to certain scenarios. I think that's uh, uh, that's it's. Some people find it pretty successful. So you're, it sounds uh, so far that you guys are doing something similar, which is great. 
Yes. Uh, something and, is. And if more organizations can understand that that's how we have to approach this. In other words, therapy in the arts, Ryan. Right? So arts. we have art therapy, we have pet therapy, culinary therapy, gardening therapy, you know, drama therapy, poetry therapy, music therapy. Let's get people to find out who they are in life, right? Before we give them the pharmaceutical therapy. <laughs> Kid, because I they don't do nothing. That's the thing. People don't even need all that medication, but that's the first thing they want to do is give them antidepressants. And then when that doesn't work, they change the medication. Oh, and every time they change the medication, guess what happens? Family and friends are on suicide watch. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, the thing is with these sort of like medicated drugs that you get, they're not really doing much apart from like uh, numbing you, really. They're just taking away your essence more than anything else. And they're just they're just lying in the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies, aren't they? Yes. And it's and- the funniest thing is it's it's like the first thing they offer. You know, my my friend went there. He went. Um, I mean, as I say, we all have people who. It's, this is what I'm saying. It's it's so common now. You could literally have a a, a um a handful of friends of five people, and if you ask all five of them, guaranteed about one or two of them have had sort of like these sort of tendencies, and that's that's pretty scary. It's, it ties into your sort of uh, statistical analysis. But I suppose. So when one person takes their life, it has a ripple effect. Yeah, it does. Oh, about 130 people are affected for every one suicide. It's crazy, and it's crazy. So, I mean, I was chatting to my friend about it, and he had the same sort of things. He went to the doctor. He went to his local doctor. First thing he did was chuck some pills at him. Because there you go. You're feeling sad. Here's some pills. They'll make you feel better. And he came off them literally within about two or three weeks because he's seen that he was not him anymore. He, they just took away everything of him. And I'm even, I was chatting to him and I was like just chatting to like, I don't know, just a, a shell of someone. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, is this what they're doing to people? They're like trying to, like, yes. oh, Christ. So it's think about horrible. it, Ryan. So think about it. The world is over-medicated. Yeah. Not the good stuff either. Not the stuff that gives you a good time. You know, That's it's right. the bad stuff. <laughs> it's the bad stuff that get, makes you go numb, you know? Exactly. Why don't you just give some people some mushrooms and stuff like that and let them go out, you know, instead? You don't need to give them all these pharmaceutical drugs. The world would be such a better place if we could just get fucking fucked up on random shit, you know? Stop restricting us. If we could just imagine, right, like John Lennon, if we could just imagine. Yeah. Right? Just, just, well, as long as we don't stay away from the yellow submarine and all that sort of crazy stuff that he was into, you know, we could be fine. But, But, um, you know, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just, I was literally going to change the subject completely, just going into obviously uh, going down the path of setting up the organization, the charity, you guys, the, the prevention sort of charity. That's a big thing to do nowadays, really, isn't it? It's, I mean, yeah. it's been gone years. I mean, what was what was the ins and outs of that? Was, did you have any restrictions on people? Did people really kind of take it on board? Or were a lot of people like trying to say that, oh, this is just a flash in the pan sort of thing? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, we, we were blessed, my husband and I, being in the entertainment industry that we get uh, I mean, residuals, right? So we don't have yeah. nine to five jobs. So we can kind of dig in to finding out what's really going on. And so when you get a mission or when you figure out that, hmm, why did that bus driver even tell us that story? So we're supposed to be doing something with this, right? Right. All right. So like I'm talking to you, I've talked to a lot of people. And when Ron and I said, we well, you know what we need to do, we cannot, cannot cure or solve mental health issues or suicide twice a year during May mental health awareness month in September doing suicide prevention month. So we have a program that actually airs in Mississippi 
and soon to go national. Keep our fingers crossed. Okay. It's Brody. called the Misha McKay Show. We care. Oh, wow. Yes. And so I'm very excited about that. And also, with our, we found out that this, oh, well, our program airs every Saturday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, which is great. Because, you, like I said, you got to be consistent. And you have to do it often, right? Not twice a year. When every 11 minutes, a lot of somebodies are taking their own life, we cannot do anything when we just deal with it two months out of the year. The other thing is, is that nonprofit organization, if you know, you know how I talk. I'm very serious when I tell people about what we're doing and how we're doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So we thought, all right, well, together we make a difference. So we have to have some kind of a nonprofit organization or something. Something so other people can help us help everybody else. Yeah. So, of course, we went to a law firm. Butler Snow, because let me tell you, to put together your own nonprofit organization, Ryan, it's like a 400-page book. <laughs> Ron and I were like, Christ. Ron and I were like, uh, I think we need an attorney to help us out with this. I thought, did we make the right choice here? That seems mental. <laughs> so we went, and Butler Snow was the attorney law, and we went in there and talked to them just like I'm talking to you. Yeah. And they said, guess what? We're going to help you put together your bylaws, your articles of incorporation, and we're going to do a pro bono because we think oh. what you're doing is powerful and is needed. Need it done? Oh, that's nice of them. So that is how we got that part done. <laughs> and the interesting thing is about that, they said, okay, so what to do your articles of incorporation, we want you to imagine 100 years from now. What does your organization look like? I was like, oh, this is great. First of all, we know television shows, right? Yeah. We're working on uh, a, 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 um, an hour drama series. Uh, that deals with suicide, right? I'm not going to give away. I'm not going to give away the the secret sauce, but guess what? At the I thought end, I was going to get an exclusive there, Misha. I thought I was going to get a dirty bad secret there. Damn it! At the end of all these, at the end of all these shows, guess what? God. No one takes their own life. Hey, good. But we're going to show how that intervention can happen with a friend, a family member. So that's going to be really exciting. We have Sunbeam cottages that we want to open up all over the world and these are just talk centers these are places where you come and get that extra therapy and you know if you if you've gone to a mental um a mental health uh, facility and they said well your insurance ran out it only covered you for four four weeks or six weeks listen mental illness is a, an, an invisible illness yeah it's yeah. not like a broken arm or a broken leg that what you can say will probably heal in four four weeks or six weeks but for a mental Broken, we don't see that. We don't Look see it. Broken mind. There's a there's, there was a really nice talking about that. There was a a very powerful um, advert or a commercial that was made over here. Uh, it was part of like the Norwich Football Club, and oh. what it was, it was it was literally like two people watching playing football, watching football. One's very quiet, and one's getting up, and, and at the end of it, it turns out to be a lot of misdirection, and it shows that that the person that was getting excited and getting all that and yeah 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 and the person who was miserable was fine but the other person actually did commit suicide and it turns around and says and the big main sticker of it was um depression is not something you see and it's and it's like wow and it was so powerful and i was like shit that does make you think you're like fuck it out so uh, it definitely isn't something you can see it's definitely yeah and this is why you have to be so careful nowadays about who, who your friends and if you've not heard from people for a long time and who you who you and it's all do you know I'm kind of say it's 
the one thing that I've noticed is it's always the loud ones. It's always the loud and, well, I don't know, it's not all that, but you can tell it's always the outgoing person because I believe in a, a group scenario, they're trying to over-stimulate, trying to over-exert because mm -hmm. they're not feeling that inside. So they're being overly extra. Yes. And you, like, you always say, are you, are you all right? And they're like, yeah, that's right. great personality. That's uh, even though, because they're not normally like that, but they're trying to overcompensate. That's the one I was thinking of, overcompensate. And you can just stick out like a sore thumb. And it's uh, it's scary. It's well, so frightening. Well, one thing is that we also do um, with Suicide Watch and Wellness Foundation, which um, they can go to our website, suicidewatchandwellnessfoundation.org, and um, look at all the great, um, interesting um, opportunities that we offer. You can go to our gallery section and hear you know great testimonies. You can go to read about real stories. Those smiling faces are no longer with us. But um, one of the things that I'm excited about, which I would love it for it to become a global, uh, a globally adopted uh, pro uh, program, is our Ambassadors Against Bullying. Right, okay. In elementary school, you're an advocate against bullying. In middle school, you're a diplomat against bullying. And when you get to high school, you're an ambassador against bullying. Right, so okay. That program, we're really pushing hard for, for it to, you know, become a, a program that schools all over will adopt. And what it is, it's a peer-to-peer -peer right. empowerment program. Okay, get up. Okay, I will not be bullied today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> so we're excited about that. Um, another thing that we love that we want to help uh, schools adopt, which we're helping to create some sort of certification where they can actually adopt some of these programs that we have. Another one is the Mental Health Awareness Field Trip Workshops. Right. Okay, that's, that's interesting. What's that about? Well, the students come. Who doesn't want to go on a bus and go on a field trip, right? Okay, I'd do that right now, to be honest. I'm four <laughs> and I still want to do that. <laughs> so they come to our building and we have lunch. Right, okay, that's cool. Right. We talk about bullying. We talk about depression. We talk about anxiety, stress, the pressures that students have to make those grades. Um, we talk about anything that they want to talk about. We do an exercise called Circle Up where they help one another with their problem. Right, okay. Yeah. So it's giving, them it's, a, giving them a platform, it's giving them an opportunity to talk. Right. And they get out of the school environment, they come to our building, right? which is a, an historical, uh, actually it's a, on the historical registry of, you know, of, uh, but it's an historical building. And it's yeah. located in, in Canton, Mississippi. But like I say, that's our first one. Depending on how large the city is, depending how large the state is, will depend on how many of those um, Sunbeam, you know, talk centers we open up. So okay. they have fun. We had our first group was were ninety elementary school kids. Amazing, nice. Because our, our building is big enough where we have like a huge room. We're ninety, you know. So they they had a good time. I mean, they just but they talk. You would be surprised of how they help each other. How I, I asked them a question. Um, these are all like uh, their age group is like eight, eight, nine year olds, right? And I said, so what is bullying? Um, do you all know what a bully is? And they're like, yeah, you know, yeah. So I asked, they all said kind of like the same thing, you know, kicking someone, yelling at somebody, slamming their locker, throwing, pushing somebody down. But one kid said that bullying is stomping your foot at your mom. I thought that was interesting. Okay, some interesting analogy. Well, think about it. Bullying starts at home. He obviously okay. had siblings. Boy. And probably has an older sibling oh, right, that he okay. saw stomp his foot at, at their mom. So it's just like that. 
because the kids obviously they see things, they interpret it differently, and they adopt it very quickly. And it's exactly. uh, it does. And uh, I mean, it's great that, that you had you there when they have an opportunity. And it's interesting as well. You mentioned that they all start talking, and I think if you give them the actual the platform, you actually give them like the the the, the permission. It's the old school phrase, isn't it? It's like, um, if you give a person permission to do it, the permission to shine your light, it unconsciously gives them permission to do the same sort of thing. I don't know if I said that right. Uh-huh. I tried to act clever there, Misha, but I, I, I can I look like a dick. And, but you understand and it. And talk is not cheap. Talk is not cheap. That's it. And it, the thing, and it's it's a great time to do it because if you actually talk to them when they're kids and when they're young enough, they develop into like the a, a different way of thinking. And I, I, I don't want to say it, but when they get to an adult side of things, I mean, I mean, getting to that as well, it's a good point. Do you think when they become more ad, into an adult scenario, a bit more uh, like in their twenties and thirties, is it still, oh, is it still worth doing this sort of side of stuff to them as well, like that, or? Oh gosh, yeah, because. Yeah. Here's what we have to do. We have to change this whole culture that we developed years ago, starting with that teasing. So now what happens is once we can get that um, bully to not to become take that 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 power that they want to be leaders, turn it around for something positive, right? Then we don't have bullies in the workplace. So, so this is going to be a process, but. I do believe it, we're going to be able to make a difference with it. Do you think? Do you think this is all ever going to really stop, or is this stuck with us? This sort of like kind of the way society has now become, because it's a different scenario than we were like uh, to even five years ago, three years ago, with social media, with all these platforms that the keyboard warriors you see them all the time. You can hear them typing away, but you get them face to face. They shit themselves. But do you think this is a, could be an ongoing thing that we just? It's like. I don't know, it's never going to change? Or do you think we've got to see that the, the things that you're doing, and obviously I can imagine, I like to think that people might be inspired by what you guys are doing, uh, might be able to do the same. Do you think it's going to it's going to make a change for the future and ongoing for different generations? Suicide Watch and Foundation is an ongoing campaign. Yeah. Okay, so yes, we are going to make a difference. We're not going anywhere. What we're going to do is expand. What we're going to do is get bigger. Like, yeah, you. I mean, hopefully in, in 2026, there'll be a Sunbeam home over where you live. Oh, yeah, I'd like to think you know so. I mean? That'd be awesome. Oh, we're, we're recruiting people, man. <laughs> yeah, you, we get together. We, got, we have to make a difference. We have to help one another. Nobody, nobody is uh, off, off, off the hook. All hands and all eyes on deck. I, listen to this. I talked to a, um, a news reporter the other day. Yeah, okay. And I said, I had seen him actually. He's, he does a lot of news, but basically he covers things like, um, I don't know, like murders or break-ins and things like that, right? Yeah, not nice stuff, basically. Yeah. And I saw, and people don't even like to watch the news, they said, because it's depressing. Anyway, I saw this guy, Trevor, and I said, hey, I said, you need to come and do a story about, you know, suicide watching wellness and what we're doing. He said, well, you know, that's not my MO. Oh, Jesus because Christ. of what he covers, right? What the station has him cover. Guess what I told him? I said, uh, fuck off. <laughs> I said, no. I said, it is your MO. It's everybody's MO. Cool says. Because everybody knows someone who's suffering. So see, that's what I'm saying. We have to make people, the urgency of, of, of helping people to understand that this is our problem. Yeah, of course. All of our problem. It's not just you, me or Ron or Amy or you. This is, this is, 
this is a global problem. And the only way we're going to solve it is together. You know, we're not going to change anything if we don't change the mindset and the culture. That's what has to happen. And that's what we're working for. And I'm very excited about that. And I will speak to anybody all day about this because I know. Oh, guess what else we created? Happy cards. Oh, matter of fact, Amy's going to give me your address. I've got to get your address because I'm going to send you happy cards. Ooh, are they going to make me happy? Yep. I, we have happy cards, I, and we came up with them because we, we're big huggers, right? Okay. And when COVID came around, we couldn't hug. Remember, six feet apart. Oh, my God. Don't okay. touch anybody. So one day we were at a, a, a grocery store, a local grocery store, and the girl was ringing me up, Sophie. And I like that's another thing. Our world is small. Not, not I mean, stop being strangers. My dad used to tell me, even as a kid, I never meet a stranger. Yeah. So I've asked people that I don't even know. So you all right? Are you okay? I always ask that question. I try to ask that question to everybody, at least one somebody every day. If we all can even adopt that, and not just necessarily people you know, but somebody you don't know. And so the cashier, I said, Sophie, I said, are you okay? It's nothing. When I go in the store, I like to know, every, especially it was my, my regular store, right? Like we shop at Whole Foods a lot. So I know all, everybody in there. I said to Sophie, I said, are you okay today? And she said, I am. I didn't think she was, though. Okay. And this was right in the beginning of the pandemic, and we couldn't touch or hug or anything. So when we left out of the store, I felt so bad. I was like, Ron, I believe Sophie needed a hug. I cannot believe that we cannot hug people. And then you know, I just felt like so responsible if she had done something, like tried to kill herself. All that bothered me. That bothered me. I don't know if I had a dream about it or whatever, but I woke up. The next morning, and I said, Ron, I got it. He said, What? Happy cards. Happy cards. We can give out happy cards. <laughs> that's how we, that's how the happy card got created. But then we got excited about it. And I've, so they have all these different sayings. Each card is different. So far, right. and we're turning them to a series now. So we're working on getting them on our website so people can go to our Suey Care uh, place and, and get some. So I'm excited about those happy cards. Every time we give them to people, it's a calling card, it starts a conversation. It's good, it's a good icebreaker, isn't it? I said now. It's a good icebreaker. It's oh yeah. Way of like open open up the channels of communication. As you said, it's very important to do that. Oh yeah, and and we've given it to people that have taken it and, and put it next to the heart and said, "Oh, I needed this today." Now <laughs> oh, they say boys. that I don't leave it like that. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. So I said, "Why did you need that today?" See, so start the conversation. We're so busy. We're so busy doing our own work. We're so busy doing me that we cannot reach out and deal with other people. And that's what I'm trying to say. I pray that we can make people understand that we have to love each other again. We have to be compassionate with one another again. We have to care about people for real. For real, for real. We're just worried about ourselves at the minute, aren't we? We're too busy worrying about how, what we can do and how our next TikTok video we can produce or are we going to be YouTube megastars and all that sort of side of stuff. We don't worry about the people that are very close to us. Our next door neighbours, I mean, when was the last time? If you speak to a person now, probably any sort of person, when was the last time you spoke to your neighbour? I would probably say about 80% of them just went, I don't even know my neighbour. And it's just, that's so sad. It's so sad. Because so, you, know, you never know. They, they, people need help and you're not there to help them, so I think. So if we can bring them back, that, that urgency back. And so that's what we do. We have campaigns. So our, point, our campaign we're running now is called the I Care Campaign. Right. I care, you care, we care. Everyone cares. So right now we're in America, but I'm telling you, by 2020, maybe it'll be sooner, but for sure by 2026, I expect you to say, hey, Misha, 
I, I went to a, a Sunbeam house and I sat down and talked to somebody. I'd be great. I would just go there, just say, I would just chill out. Like, I'm going to go there. I'd be all, that sounds like a great place to go, even though you're not into it. You don't need to talk to anyone. You just, you could be one of the people that can talk to someone else. You know what I mean? It's, that's exactly it. Love to do that. That'd be great. Bring that's a few exactly. beers, you know, get, get yeah. bring the Xbox, play, yeah. back, play back Call of Duty. It'd be great fun. Get fist up. God, I tell you what, can you do it sooner? This is amazing. It's like a regular little hangout. Uh huh. So I'm excited about that. And, that's um, good. Yeah, and, it, and it's a feel good place too. Course, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like you really want to hear my problems. I had somebody ask me when I said, Hey, I said, Are you okay? Um, sir, he was an old elder man, but he had on a, a veteran cap, right? Okay, I knew he was a vet, a veteran, and I gave him a happy card. I said, I have something to give you, and he says, Me, and I said, Yeah, and he says, Okay, and it was a happy card. And all, all that happened was tears started coming out of his eyes. I said, Are you okay? and he said, Thank you for making me happy. Just love hard. Just so our thing with that, yeah. Are suffering, and it's a shame. I don't. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm not. I don't know the, the, the statistics of veterans in Europe, but I know here it's shameful that our veterans are hungry and homeless, Definitely, and so yeah. they're working on a care card for them as well. That'll take care of their food, their um, clothes, their living, and and also their therapy because they don't have any exodus when they leave a uh, mental, you know. Um, you know, like to get it so they can understand that they're coming back into a different space. So I have a friend who has a uh, her brother, her brother-in-law, um, when he came back from being deployed in Iraq, he was not the same person anymore. Not you know, and, sure. and you know what he told her? He said, "I got to go back. I want to go back because I'm not used to the silence." Yeah, different. The difference. So. I'm not used to the silence. Yeah. They had him go to therapy for six weeks. Because they said that's how long it would take for him to get himself together. After he came back from from the from his therapy, after six weeks, he said he wants to go back. He's okay now. They gave him his weapons back, his guns and all that, and he ended up taking his own life. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a veteran myself. I did seven years in the Air Force, sort of thing. So I'm right. And yes, I know what you mean. It's, and it's it's exactly the same sort of scenario over here. You know, the the. The way that you're treated over here, the veterans, you just say, oh, they do, when you want to leave the forces, they just go, okay, see you later, bye. You don't get any really sort of help. You don't really get any sort of acclimatization to like Civvy Street and you're on your own. And it's it's so, so hard. That's why the majority, I think the, the, a statistic came out, they said 65% of the homeless people are veterans. Are veterans. Uh, over shameful? in the UK. Isn't that shameful? Horrible. Isn't that, isn't that terrible? I mean, how, and how do we just like, like can accept it. Everyone says, oh, we care about the veterans, we care about the veterans. So we have a program called For Art's Sake. And they come to our building and they can, you know, uh, an art therapist works with them. But yeah. they feel like somebody cares about them. And there's yeah. a group of people in our community, groups that people don't, that they are the voiceless. So Suicide Watch and Wellness Foundation are the voice for them. Who is that? Our veterans, our senior citizens, our people with disabilities, our young people, and of course our furry friends. Oh, really? I love them. God, I love them. Did you have, oh, and you know, a lot of veterans have, um, you know, dogs that come no, back. No, do you know what? I'm not allowed to. It's uh, the flat, the, the, the house that I'm in, because obviously I'm renting accommodation at the minute. I'm not allowed to have dogs. I'm devastated. So, um, plus, with my, I'm always working. I love dogs. I'm a massive dog fan. I used to have a golden retriever when I was growing up. Oh, they're beautiful dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, it's because I'm out working during the day. I'm out working like nine, ten hours a day. And it's not fair. 
uh, leave the dog at home. And uh, yeah, otherwise, I would have like five of them. The boom. <laughs> with Karen and awesome. jumping up behind me. We call it the power of the furry friend. Yes, definitely. And it's true, they are. They're like, as you know, that's why they use therapy dogs and all that sort of side of things as well. And they're very popular with uh, like acclimatization and people who have gone through stuff. And they do work. But because just because, uh, you, sometimes you see them talking to these dogs and they talk to the dogs instead of talking to anyone else. And yes. It's like, my God. Yeah. I have, I have a t shirt that says, I'm only, I'm only talking to my dog today. <laughs> God. If I did that, people would be like, right, what's, what, the, what the hell? I was like, walking to work, I'm not talking to anyone. <laughs> talking to my dog. I think, right. like, right, you don't, you don't have a dog. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, I, there's a girl, um, uh, she's a woman now, but her name is uh, Emily. And she was part of that horrific um, natural disaster of Katrina. And they lived in Louisiana. All right, okay. And uh, she, as 14 years old, she lost everything. All of her toys, all of her Jeez. books, all of her journalists, everything, everything. So when she, her parents moved to Mississippi. Yeah. And she um, still was depressed. So they put her in a rehab program. And this, I don't know where they're fixed on this six-week thing. But anyway, six weeks didn't really help her. But she can continue. She's 27 now. She continues to see a therapist, right? Anyway, one day she went to her, uh, her therapist and told her therapist that morning that I felt like, she said, I felt like killing myself. Jesus. And the therapist, she told me this story like about a month or two months ago or something in there. And the therapist said, why didn't you? I was like, how we try to save me? You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. But and her answer, her answer was, is because there would be nobody left to take care of Taco or little Chihuahua. Oh, bless. Crazy. These, these sort of dogs do not realize they've saved a lot of people's lives in this world. Yes. And they've done nothing. Yes. No, it's they, just, just it's them being them. Unconditional love. Dogs exactly. and cats. And sure. cats. And cats. Love the cats, too. Oh, I, don't, I don't trust yeah. cats, though. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of cats, Misha. I can't lie to you. I don't trust them. They've got, <laughs> they've got hidden agendas, haven't they? The thing is, this is the difference between dog and cat. This is, that, this is my sort of scenario. You go to a dog, you go over to it, and you go, come on, boy, come on. And he comes over straight away. You go to a cat, you go, give me a thing, come on. And he looks at you and goes, no. Okay. <laughs> and then you go, oh, okay, then. And then you go away, and then it comes over what it wants. And it's just like that. I'm not doing it because you told me. I'm doing what I want to, you fucker. And I'm just like, I just don't trust them. I don't trust them as well. Oh. So I'll get used to it. I'll get used to them now. Now, the cat, let me tell you. We've had, we have both. They've, they can they coexist too. They love it. I'd also, just to jump in there, sorry, there's a reason why the ancient Egyptians worshipped cats. And they were clever. They knew something that we didn't. What is that? The ancient Egyptians. They're all, they died before they told us. So they know <laughs> something. They know something. They're letting us know. So we're like, they're, they're taking over the world, Mish, I'm telling you. This is <laughs> a conspiracy theory. The wrong show for this. I need to tell this to the conspiracy theory show that I'm on next week. But still, oh, God. Well, <laughs> you know, I think, Ryan, I think that what it is, is that, and I, fig I think I figured it out, kind of, is that the, 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 the canine, our furry friend dog, right? Yeah. They're very, very into taking care of you. Okay, of course they are. They, take, they, 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 they want to make sure you're happy. So even if they're sick, they don't want you to know. Yeah. They might go and hide in the closet or something, but they always are paying attention to your feelings. A cat needs to be paid attention to. It's needy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Needy. And so that's what it is. And so that's why they do what they do. 
Oh, they want you to pay attention to them. I know, right? That's it. Look at me. Look at me. I love you. Look at me, for instance. It's not about you, cat. It's about me. I'm the adult here. They're both really sweet. They're good. They are. They are. They're good animals. They're great animals. I mean, to be fair, you can do it with any animal sort of thing. You know, rabbits are very, sometimes you get really cool rabbits and stuff like that. Guinea pigs. Even fish. I had a rabbit growing up named, named Fluff. Oh, did you really? Oh, bless. They're crazy things. They're things, aren't they? Yeah, they have one. Yeah, so, but, um, intervention and I would say the cats and dogs together, um, teach should be able to, we look, have a big lesson how we should be able to live together fantastic. in harmony and peace. You know, the cats and dogs teach us that. Yep. Because nice. in one household, we have cats and dogs and they're fine. Oh, we, we can't even get it together. It's, oh, that's another thing I want to tell you about our industry. Oh, I have, I have everyday people say, Misha, what? I mean, what's wrong with Ben Affleck? Why can't he get his life together with $7 million? He's a handsome man as well, isn't he? Yeah, but I t- he's in and out of rehab. Bastard. <laughs> is <he> really? <laughs> but, I said, but I tell people that it doesn't matter what, where you are, how much money you make. Money does not define your life. Oh, yeah, that's it. Money does not define your feelings, your emotions. That's what it's all about. So we have to part. So part of the program, when our show goes national, we're going to be talking to these folks. Let give them, we're providing them a platform, my colleagues, a platform yep. to explain to the everyday person, okay? We need to make the everyday person also more compassionate because these folks are not impervious to pain. It's just, it's a job. You might love that movie and love that song, but it's a job. Yeah, it's a job for them. It's the same with everyone. If you don't see whenever you go to work how that person is, do you, whatever sort of job. And, and they need to understand our work too. I, I remember I did a um well the movies that's all that stuff is tiring, memorizing lines you know doing all that it's very it can become very stressful for some people. Crazy, yeah. But when I did I did a um I worked on a, uh, a one hour drama called a man it was called the show was called a man called Hawk. Okay. With Avery Brooks and Moses Gunn was in this particular episode. Right. Now you have to think about this the stress that this causes. Call time to be on the set is 3 a.m. Because when they roll the camera, they need the the atmosphere needs to look like it's 5 a.m. in the morning. All right, get so you show up at 3, you're in the hair and makeup at 3 a.m. People who have 9 to 5 jobs don't necessarily have to get up at 3 a.m. to get yes. in hair and makeup. Jeez. And then you do your scene, which can be stressful. Things aren't working. Something happens. And then you're off at 7. And then you got to come back at 1. So it's, yeah. So when you hear those stories about Judy Garland taking pills to wake up, taking pills to go to sleep. Yeah, you can understand that's that. That's serious if you, have a, if you have a heavy schedule. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a very, very stressful um, career. And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot, of, a lot of anxiety in that as well on top of that, especially if you're in the spotlight. You have to be perfect 100%, the paparazzi, all the negative comments online as well. You see all that, Jesus. Do you know why I look at it and, and it's like, I'd hate to be, I'd like to be famous just because I want to be rich, but I'd hate to be famous at the same time just because, I mean, I, I hate it when someone says that my podcast is shit. You know what I mean? Oh. I, I, heaven, for, heaven forbid if someone turns around to me and say, you look like shit as well, you bastard. I'm like, oh no. You know what I mean? Well, How could I do that? There's, that's the self-esteem right there. That's why we have to have people become more compassionate. Of course it is. And I hope that our program will be able to, I'm talking about well, it's national now, not just in Mississippi. Yep. But but we'll be able to help to create that culture 
You know, we know we got to stop laughing at people and teasing people. My God, if God made us all look alike, sound alike, how boring would that be? Yeah, we- so we need to learn to appreciate one another, mm-hmm. appreciate one another's talents, appreciate one another's thoughts, and and stop all this fighting. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. You know, and I don't mean to start talking about this right now, but it just happened right now about this whole thing with Israel and Palestine and the bombing and the killing. And it's like, people, please. We've been fighting for years. Yeah, I said. All over the place. You know, just wars, wars and more wars. And you being in the in the Air Force, my dad was in the Air Force. Oh, okay, well, brilliant. You know, but just to think about it, if we could all just live happy and just let live and let live, we wouldn't even need military. No, I said. If we, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we're creating this environment that's just like toxic and, and deadly. It'd be amazing. It'd be a little uh, utopia sort of life. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're far from that yet. But hey, people like yourself and obviously your organization are chipping away at it to get us closer there, which is uh, which is a great thing. Which is a great thing. So, so, so Michelle, obviously, you kind of wrap up with chatting away for a bit so where can where can people find out about you where can people get to know your organization a little bit more detail then yeah they can go to our, our website suicide watch and wellness foundation.org they can even call us at 601-882-3441 that's fantastic um just uh i mean and just also remember one thing try every day to ask someone if they're okay even if you don't know them and also try to put um a look, put a, a, what do you call it? A smile on someone's face today, but don't forget your own. And they can also, Ryan, go to MishaICare.com and that'll take you to the SuicideWatchingWellnessFoundation.org's website. Fantastic. Yeah, but you have an awesome, listen, one of my favorite movies, Gladiator. And you might remind me of Russell Crowe, so I'm going to say that. i tell you what. Yeah, I tell you, do it. Yeah, just compliments will get you everywhere, Misha. I tell you. <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. I am literally going to record that. I'm going to clip it. I'm going to post that out on my social media and go, there you go. Have some of that. There you go. <laughs> but awesome. Misha, we'll put all your details underneath us uh, into like um, the um, the description of everything, all the yeah. links, how to find you, all that sort of stuff so people can find out and all that sort That's of thing. Great. But thank you so much for coming on, Misha. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you. And I'm uh, I'm very impressed with what you've done and how you're doing things. I'm excited to see over the next few years how you guys expand what you're doing, oh. and hopefully saving some people. All right. I hope you have me back in three years so I can say, hey, have you gone to that, that Sunbeam house over there? I uh, know, yeah. We've got one over there. Why you not? Wait, what, what was Maui? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll be there. I'll be there. Bells and whistles on. I'll be an advocate of it. Of course I will. Oh, thank you, Ryan. <laughs>